Welcome to our latest PIP podcast. We're up to our 27th one and in this episode, Robin chats with Natalie Isaacs, inspirational woman and founder of One Million Women. In the podcast, Natalie explains the journey behind founding her movement aimed at empowering women to take action against climate change. We hope that you enjoy and get inspired. Hi everyone, today I'm talking with Natalie Isaacs from One Million Women. Natalie is the founder of a movement of nearly 940,000 women, very close, from around the globe who are creating a revolution to fight the climate crisis. She's also the author of Every Woman's Guide to Saving the Planet. Welcome Natalie. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Now I'm really so excited to talk to you today because I think we've got a really similar mission with Pip Magazine and with One Million Women. And for us, it's to share those simple and practical everyday solutions for people so that they can make a change in their lives that can help tackle some of those bigger climate problems and reduce the impact they're having on the earth. So I wanted to start by asking you to explain exactly what One Million Women is about and what your mission is and yeah, what you've kind of achieved so far. So One Million Women, uh, our... Um, I guess elevator pitch is yeah. that we are a global movement of women and girls really from every corner of the planet mm. and we're building this lifestyle revolution to fight the climate crisis and we focus on uh, this isn't the elevator pitch actually <laughs> <laughs> we focus on um, all the key areas of daily living so it's food waste and and diet what you eat and it's we talk about overconsumption um, household energy we talk about how you get from a to b with the least impact on the planet um, the economic power of women and um, every dollar we spend or don't spend and where we invest our money and divesting from banks and institutions that invest in fossil fuels. We talk about sustainable fashion. So we, we, we and we and we talk about how we use our voice and our vote. So it really is about every aspect of how how you live. And it's all about the empowerment, the empowerment of women through the way we live. Yeah, I was going to ask you, so why did you choose women when you decided to create this movement? So it was an easy, it was actually a no-brainer yeah. um, making it a women's movement. And um, when when I started One Million Women back in 2009, or actually well before that, so I used to cosmetics manufacturer and, um, and I was that for 24 years and um, and so when I got the point on climate change, it was very late in my life. It was it was 2006, and and I got the point, and I had this epiphany, and I changed, and and I can tell you that story too, but it's another story. Okay, we'll and, come back to that later. Yeah, come back to that. But, so when I when I knew I was going to start something, I um, I was doing my research and I saw that there was millions, literally millions of organisations out there that um, spoke to men and women and all about um, climate change and and I, I at the time 
couldn't find something that actually spoke to the unique strengths of women. Mm. And I was doing my research and I found out that women make 85, 75 to 85 percent of the consumer decisions that affect the household's carbon. Mm. Um, we are huge um, natural networkers. We have so much power in the consumer marketplace. Mm. And also women and children uh, in in developing countries are the most vulnerable to climate change. And so I thought as a woman living in an affluent society, shouldn't I do all I could to live with the least impact on the planet? And, and so I always knew, I didn't know very much about climate change at the time or how to build a movement, but I always knew it had to be about the empowerment of women and uh, as women as the change makers of the world. Yeah. So when you say you're, you have women from all over the globe, what, tell me, what's, what are some of the countries and what are some of the connections that you've made? So, um, well, if I go by our, so last year our blog was read 4.5 million times wow. and from um, 198 countries, I think it was. And so we actually are in almost every country. Um, wow. the, typically, in um, you know Australia, the US, the UK, Canada, New Zealand, uh, India, that the, there are some really key countries that we seem to be uh, the biggest in. But we do have a place almost almost everywhere now. I mean, we st- I, we started here in Australia and it was very much 90 to 100% when we started just an Australian focus mm. but that did grow quite quickly and and my vision was always that it was to be a global movement of women and girls um that was always the case from day 1 and 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 I think really once we brought social media into the mix mm. back 2013, uh, it, 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 it allowed us, it gave us that, that freedom to be able to communicate on, on a global scale. Mm. So as a movement, what is it? Like, so for people that want to find out about it and get involved, what, what is it exactly that you're doing and how are all these women coming together? Coming together. So it, it, has, it has evolved and changed over the years. So when I started One Million Women, I... Um, so before before I started One Million Women and 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 I was a cosmetics manufacturer, I um I was really disengaged on this issue. I climate change, I was passionate about life, but I really had this disconnect about my actions and it their their effect on the world and on this earth. And um I am gonna answer your question. It's a lie. I always have a long approach to answering these questions. <laughs> But, but, um, but, but I mean, if I, you want to you go back now and talk about, yeah, how, what was, I mean, you've created this movement. So how did that start and where were you at prior to that? Where was I at? So, yeah. So this was, so I, I, uh, so anyway, so I was living in my own little bubble and, but there was a real shift in 2006. And I think that in fact, when I talk to a lot of people, they say, yeah, 2006 was the year that I got the point too. And I think it was a year where um not dissimilar to now but there was ferocious bushfires happening very early 
the piece. Um, there was um, the media had got the point on climate change, so it was much easier to understand what um, you were reading. And the Al Gore Inconvenient Truth movie came out, and there was lots of things happening. But the thing that changed me forever was something really simple, and I got my electricity consumption down by twenty percent. And I saw the bill, and I saw I'd saved all this money and pollution. And I finally connected. I finally realized that actually, um, I, you know, it isn't that I'm one person and can't do anything about it. It actually is if I just did this just by being vigilant around the house, then surely I'm, I'm very powerful and that I'm a powerful player in this story um, because I had just done one small action and I'd cut all this pollution. And so I then went on to change my life. I then went and got our household food waste down by something crazy like 80%. And then I took a breath before I bought something and thought, do I really need this? And, and I was piece by piece quite rapidly changing huge shifts of change with 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 my life and and so that was at that point that I thought I need to tell this story to women women everywhere and 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 that was really kind of like the starting point of one million women I got a whole I got a beautiful group of women on board to help me shape and craft it and and so we we called it one million women because we were uh, thinking of what do we call this and, and my target was let's get to a million women we need a million women because of the scale and speed at which we needed to act and so in the end we thought let's just call it one million women but at the time I didn't know how to build a movement and I didn't know very much I just knew my story and so I thought that if I built a website, so this is this is how one me and women. What the first ask was, it was yeah. um, join, build a website, ask women to join up, and to cut a ton of pollution out of their life in a year. And um, and in these really bite-sized actions with these real and tangible results that help to move you along this road of empowerment. And so that was the very original ask, just join up on a website. There was no social media. There was there was nothing else attached to it. Mm. And, and I honestly thought I'd have a million women within six months because I who wouldn't join? Yeah, crazy. I didn't realise, in fact, you have to. You have to actually send emails out and you have to actually do things to grow a movement. Yeah. So so One Me Women has evolved and grown and developed over the years and it's a, and it truly is now a movement. It has a website which you can join up on um, and you can still do that carbon challenge which sits on the website to cut a ton of pollution. We have ongoing campaigns, whether it's around food waste or um, reducing, you know, our consumption of meat or whether it's household energy or whether it's... Um, um, a, a petition or using our voice, we've always got something going on. Uh, we have our social media platforms that people can stay connected with us. And and we've just launched uh, our new Climate Action app, which is uh, free to download. And we have all these tools that help you um, change the way you live to fight the climate crisis. So One Million Women is this big connected movement 
on many different platforms. Mm. So how does the app work? That's just, that's just re- re- released, is it? Yes, so we've been working on it for the last few years and it really is just because One Million Women is now 10 years old and over these 10 years we have really worked hard at understanding um, the challenges to behaviour change uh, and understanding what connects with people and how to make behaviour change stick and long-lasting and how to move that from someone who's not acting to someone who uses their voice and their vote. And and so the app brings all that together. It has daily climate action. It has a conversation, a live conversation feed. It has a real-time map that shows you how many people are acting in the world who are, you, you know, women who are using the app mm. at this very moment. Um, and it is part of something bigger. You feel part of something bigger, and and our goal with the app, it's it's our next tool. You know, ninety mm. percent uh, of our community view us on 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 their their phones, and so the app is an immediate tool to help you change how you live in 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 all different categories. You can favorite things you love. You can um, see your ripple effect grow when you share the app with others. And the other aspect of the app is that we can gather rich data that we can really, um, you know, really look through and understand where the challenges are and the ways to communicate. Um, So the goal of One Million Women is to really reach women and girls that aren't engaged on this issue yet and bring them along, um, bring them into the tent because, you know, I don't need to tell you we're in this climate emergency Mm. and we need as many people as possible acting in their own lives, using their vote, and using their voice. And so hopefully the app will help bring those people um, um, into the tent that aren't acting yet. Yeah, and I can imagine one of the amazing things about it is that people feel like they're actually making a difference because sometimes when you're in your own space and you're cutting it down on your waste and you're not using electricity, and you know, I know that sometimes people think, is this actually doing anything? Is it worth it? Is it going to make a change? But when you're connected to an app like what you're talking about or the whole movement, you can see, wow, there's actually nearly a million people all doing the same thing and there might be 100,000 all working on reducing their energy consumption at, at this time. So I imagine that that's one of the really strong elements of it. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. That's exactly right. Um, it is, it, it's so easy. And this was me before I started One Me Women. That's what I used to say to myself. Who am I? I'm one person. What can I really do to make a difference? Mm-hmm. Change has got to happen from governments and then we'll act. Well, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so, and, 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 and then I realized, if the things that I do are multiplied by millions, we can shift systems mm. and um, and we should never underestimate the power that we have as individuals to and as a collective 
to really change things. And that's what we try to do at One Million Women. It, it is actually our theory of change. Our theory of change is the, the, the individual power, but it's really the collective efficacy showing that this is powerful when we're all doing it together. And um, it, 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 it makes a difference. Yeah, because I, I know David Holmgren, the co-originator of permaculture, he talks about that we just need a certain percentage, I can't remember what it is exactly, but something like 1% of the population to be making that change for it to then really make change. Because if if there's a certain percentage of the population all acting in a certain way and all saying, we don't want that, then the government sort of has to li listen eventually. That's right. That's right. And let's hope they're listening right now. Yeah. Hope they're listening <laughs> to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> yes. So are all the actions that you're talking about, are they mostly things that you do in your own life or are some of them sort of maybe writing letters or getting in touch with people or, you know, I guess it's also making those choices and that's making a statement as well. Yeah, it is. It's everything. Because when, when you talk about behavior change or lifestyle change it it can't be you know um like put into compartments it's it has to be the whole and the whole is everything it is about the way that you live um how you influence those around you what you do with every dollar you mm. spend and how you vote and how you influence political parties. It has to be at all. That's that's the holistic approach. When I was a cosmetics manufacturer, I, I um, manufactured a brand called Natalie and, and it was all about aromatherapy, which was this beautiful art of using plant extracts for health and beauty. But even with my brand at the time, um, I, I would, I would say to people, you know, it, don't just buy my product thinking that it's going to do everything to look after yourself. You need a holistic approach and to be honestly and purely beautiful. It has to be the entire thing. It has to be from the inside and health and happiness and can't just be what you put on your skin. And if you think about the planet and how we live, it's the same thing. It's the whole thing. We can't just take our keep cups to, you know, buy coffee or decide to reduce our food waste um, and not do the other things and vice versa. You know, one of the things that I um, always talk about is we can't just march in the streets and we can't just send letters to politicians um, and and sign petitions. We have to do those things. There is no question we have to do those things. But we can't do those things on the one hand and think that's it, we've done our bit for the environment or we've done our bit for climate. Um, if at the same time we live our lives filled with overconsumption, you just you can't trade one off with the other. You have to do it all. You have to march in the streets. You have to fight for climate action and climate justice, but you have to live it too. Mm, definitely. Yeah. So one thing I've been sort of thinking about lately, and I wrote an article in a recent one of our recent issues, 
is the idea of environmental guilt. So, you know, the amazing oh. thing at the moment is there's so much information out there about what we can do to live better and how we can reduce our impact on the planet. And, and but sometimes, you know, you know all these things, but sometimes you can't actually keep up with doing them all. And, you know, then you start kind of getting this feeling of guilt about everything. And then sometimes that can actually impede your actions what what's your kind of thoughts around that and how do you think people can kind of cope with that those feelings yeah and it is a very it's a very real um you know feeling it's a Mm. it's and 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 on top of that there is also the feeling of loss and grief you know what and and sometimes you can go from denial that this is even happening right through to despair that you can't, that you're so overwhelmed by it all that you you it, it stops you from acting and and the place that we all need to stop is in the middle you know we can't go from the denial straight to despair we have to find that place in the middle which is all about action and we have to not be hard on ourselves you know um no one is perfect and we are all trying to navigate this in the best way that we can and i think that um don't worry if you fall off the wagon don't worry if you're doing things that you shouldn't take a breath and and you know at intervals ask yourself you know am i doing enough can i do more what you know but but there isn't time for us to worry about guilt and all the worry that we're not perfect and i think the thing that empowers us to keep moving forward is these small actions that show these real results you know um um when you vid like for me when i was vigilant around the house and i got our household electricity down there was that immediate reward mm-hmm. of more money yeah. in my pocket and that sense of incredible confidence and power that i'd just done something real mm-hmm. and i think that when we're feeling um, hopeless or guilty go out and do something that gives you a quick win (laughs) and it'll get you feeling empowered again yeah and I also think um looking at what you have done like sometimes you can think oh I'm not really doing that much and you know and then you look at then something reminds you of where you were maybe a year ago or two three years ago and something that you were maybe using all the time that you know you've slowly stopped using in your life because it produced waste or wasn't ethical or whatever So I think it's also important to do that stock take as well and go, well, I might not be doing everything right now, but look at all these great things that I am doing. And yeah, and then just sort of choose one thing at that time that you could add to that list of things that you're doing rather than, yeah, trying to focus on the whole lot at once. And that is such good advice. I am going to take that advice and we're going to share that across one million women because it that is such good advice. And see, the thing is, you know, when you're changing the way you live, you do have this aspect of I live this way. You know, I, um, you, you know, you you talk about how you live, and then almost like an adjunct to how you live, you say. And this, this is the early days of, of when you are profoundly changing the way you live. And so you then 
as an adjunct to how you live, you say, yes, but I also do I reduce my food waste and and I catch public transport and I and and I'm really vigilant around the house and you kind of you know list all the things that you were doing for the environment as an adjunct to how you live. And so what happens over time when those things become simply part of who you are mm-hmm. as opposed to the list you're saying that you're doing um they become part of you that's when you start questioning am i doing enough because mm-hmm. then you think wow um what more can i do because those things all of a sudden have just become part of your life um which is the beautiful journey of true behavior change that it just becomes simply part of who you are and you're thinking okay am i doing enough because you've forgotten that these things a year or two ago might have been on the list yeah exactly and so um and so there's a lot of ways the the other thing too is it's so important to find the joy and happiness and to find the ways to have this love of earth it's mm. it's a topic that we talk a lot about at one million women um the love of earth and you know we we're 10 years old this year and and earlier in the year we did this very big event um here in sydney called the love earth festival to celebrate our 10 years and and the the theme is is about this relationship that we have with the earth and it has to be a two-way thing and so when you're feeling down and um depressed or even guilty it's so good to just get out into nature mm-hmm. and 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 breathe in well definitely not the fresh air today but you know to breathe it all, breathe it all in and to really have this relationship with the earth because when we are in when we love our earth like we do our family and our friends that 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 crazy uncontrollable love that we have for a, you know that new love we have for someone it's that's the kind of love we have to find for our earth because then how you how you live be, and and changing the way you live becomes a much easier proposition Yeah, it's like that idea of mother earth and if you see the earth as your mother you and she's giving everything to us and that you love her and connect with her then of course you want to look after her, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely. I never got that, you know. I never understood that for so long. And 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 I because I thought I was that person who loved the earth. Mm. I rethought it. And and I but 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 i realized on and and i thought that as i was growing up because i i i'm a queensland girl and my weekends were always spent at the gold coast and swimming in the ocean and walking through the rainforests and lying on the beach and all those things you you do as a teenage girl and um and i thought i had it all sorted with with loving the earth you know i was that ill um yep earth lover and it wasn't until i was i was really into the first couple of years of one million women that i understood actually all i was doing was taking from the earth 
Mm. I was taking what the earth had to offer, but I wasn't giving back. I loved swimming in the ocean and I loved the smell of the sweet rainforest and the mulch between my toes. Mm. What was I giving back? I was, I had this cosmetics company that had overpackaging, that had microbeads in, in my products. I, it wasn't a, a relationship. It was just me taking what the earth had to offer. And I think that's the difference when you have a true relationship with the earth. It's a two way thing. Mm. So, yeah. So, one step that people could take is to just spend some more time connecting with nature and to think about those things while you're doing it. Absolutely. Which is yeah. a pretty pleasant task to set yourself. <laughs> That's right, and it's it, it is if if, we, if I was thinking if if people were on the first step to this journey, or were saying, I am trying hard to change the way I live, and I, I it's not sticking. That's the first thing I say is 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 to well take a breath and go and find this relationship with your earth. And just do it in any way that works, whether it's sitting under a big tree and just feeling the the cool air under the shade or or swimming in the ocean, whatever it is, just find that connection and really use that as the first step. Mm, beautiful advice. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, like, and looking through your book, which is a great book if anyone's interested, um, one thing that really stood out to me is there's nothing difficult in there, you know. It's all yeah. really simple things that people can do that, yeah, none of it's hard, none of it's rocket science. It's just often it, like it's there's kind of a few stages, isn't there? There's first just being aware of yeah. what, what the situation is and then there's, realizing what other options are out there and then thirdly it's taking action on that that's right it it's um it, it is it and you know um i think that and i think that when i when i started one million women the i, I things have changed a lot in the last 10 years a lot you know, back then we were really trying to sell the message that how you live matters. Yeah. And I think that message is so much easier uh, to understand today than it was when we when I when I, when I started because you know we are having this come. So many people are having this conversation uh, about what you eat and, you know, what the clothes that we wear and the microbeads and the microplastics and um, food ending up in landfill and over, and we're having that conversation and not just having the conversation but really finding the solutions to it. And so I think that that conversation has definitely um, moved on a lot from from when I from when I started One Me and Women. It, nothing is rocket science, and yeah, it's uh, all and that's the thing. It is just that is it. Like when I st I'm I'm no climate scientist. I'm I'm no activist. I'm no long term green role. Mm. I just did one thing and saw a result, and 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 you know started a movement. <laughs> but yeah. it's just. 
it's it, it this is everybody can do this um it is just about living lightly on the planet and and knowing our part to play in in this climate crisis mm. and so why do you think i mean there definitely has been a huge increase in interest over the last 10 years what what why do you think that is what what have you sort of noticed during that time I think it's um it's because this is now a personal story. This is about me and my family and my friends. Whereas before it seemed like climate change was somebody else's issue and the greenies were going to fix it. And it seemed like it was too complex and too overwhelming and it was it, it's a global issue but had really nothing to do with me and what I could do. But that story has changed because it's become personal. It's seeing the Great Barrier Reef die before our – sorry, I don't sound too sad about this, but it's seeing it's, – it's witnessing that. It's, it's understanding the plastics in the ocean and it's knowing that one in five shopping bags of food gets wasted with every shop. Um, it's feeling the effects from, um, you know, increased weather um, events, mm. whether it be fires or flood or drought, or it's all part of, it's all part of our lifestyles and 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 you know. It's part of us now. So this story has become really personal. Mm. And and I think that um, we don't talk about climate change or the climate crisis or the climate emergency as, as what it is. We don't even have to mention that much. Any, climate emergency, yes. But for people to connect with this, we don't even have to mention climate change. Mm. We can talk about it in 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 relation to the waste and to the plastics and to um, fast fashion and to overconsumption, because all of it falls under the umbrella of climate change, whether you know it or not. So I think that's why it's it's so much more personal and it affects you and I, not just the big picture. Mm. And that's the thing, like when it's not like it's not about sacrifice, is it? It's it's actually when you're living a life that's taking all of these things into account, it's actually a really beautiful, rich life. So whether it might be growing your own food and enjoying the beautiful thing of picking it from your own garden and putting it on your plate, or whether it's, you know, choosing clothes that are ethically made and you can connect with where that's been made and knowing that it's good and whether it's you know whether it is something as simple as having a beautiful keep cup that you look have and look after and you know just that feeling of you're not contributing to all this having all this plastic rubbish around you and fast yeah. takeaway food and it yeah it's actually a positive step that makes yeah, life it, richer and more enjoyable oh and it it, it is absolutely a glorious way to live, mm. knowing that you are doing everything you can to live lightly on this beautiful planet. Mm. 
And when I started, when I started One Million Women, I was having all these different epiphanies, you know, each, every, because I was learning as I was going yeah. along. And um, I remember in in 2013, and we 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 were a few years old at that at that stage, and we were thinking, okay, we really need to bring social media into the mix. Mm. We hadn't even done that at that point, and um, and we really need to start building a, a movement. Like when I started, I called it the One Million Women campaign, not even movement. And even though movement was the vision, yeah, so we had, um, um, we were working with this advertising agency who were doing everything pro bono for us. And we were coming, we were trying to come up with a, this big campaign, something that would get hundreds of thousands more women into the movement. And we were, Anyway, we were going back and forth with ideas around the table. We had the whiteboard and, and then someone said, um, we were talking about what it means to live lightly on the planet. And, and then we came up with a campaign called Less is More. And in that moment, it hit me. It hit me. It went from my head right through to my heart about the true meaning of less is more. And I could feel my whole body start to feel lighter and this mm. exhilarating feeling of the true understanding that less was actually more. And so I can you try and explain that? Just this, you know, um, we're always wanting more and more. Mm. You know, there's this misguided belief in affluent society, in and places like Australia, really, that the more we have, the happier we'll be. Mm. If I just had that new kitchen, I'd be, I'd be happier. Mm. But you get the new kitchen. If I just had the bigger car, I'd be happier. Mm. But you get the bigger car. If I just had an extra holiday, well, extra holiday, maybe. <laughs> It's this thing of the more we have, the happy we'll be, when in fact it's not true. And if we could live with less and 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 be happy with what we have, um, then that feeling of freedom mm -hmm. comes into your way of thinking. And I left that meeting with this new sense of freedom. That I didn't need more. I didn't need. I'd said the new kitchen because I was always after a new kitchen. And yes, sure, I would love a new kitchen. It, but it was. It's more that it doesn't define my happiness. Mm. And and so I went away that morning with this. Yeah, this exhilarating feeling of that this was going to change the world and less is more was going to be our new campaign and. And um, anyway, I went home and Googled it and less was more, less is more was so out there already. <laughs> it was like the oldest concept and we didn't actually make a campaign out of it because it was just, it was too out there. Yeah. But it, it really. But it's still a really important notion. Oh, a new dimension to the way I lived and a new dimension to the things we were saying at One Million Women. Yeah. Because it's not only um, on that level, but less is more in the sense that 
the less that you're chasing and buying and spending, the more you have to work to pay for all those yeah, things. So right. the less that you consume and indulge in those things, actually the more time you have and the more freedom you have to actually yeah. live the life that you want to live. Yeah, that's right. And and know that you can still be really happy mm. uh, with not wanting for more. And, um, and you know, it, it, it just puts things into perspective. Yeah, and it's definitely that thing of taking that breath that you said at the beginning when before I was, you buy something and go, do I really need this? Yeah, and the other thing too is um, when I was doing my research into One Million Women back in 2009, I, um, and, and I'm sure this stat is completely different today, mm. but back then, so 10 years ago, the stat that I found was that in Australia we spend $10.5 billion on stuff that we barely or never use, mm. and that stuff goes into landfill. Mm. And crazy, um, Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And I was looking at some of the statistics you had about, you know, in your book about people, you know, the average time that people wear their clothes is maybe three times before they consider it old, which... It's pretty crazy, yeah. really, because there's so much that goes into making a garment. And I think that comes from that cheap society where they make things cheap, that people don't respect it. Whereas if you do spend good money on a T-shirt because you've paid the person the right price and the material's been grown ethically and you're not going to wear it three times and throw it out because, you know, you spend a decent amount of money on it, so you, you're going to look after it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. When something's only $5, who cares if you've spilled tomato sauce on it? You can just chuck it in the bin. Mm, yeah. um, and so, um, yeah, fa fast fashion. I think I think in the US, the um, uh, clothing, throwing out clothing is a third of the of, of what's in the bin. Mm. Um, and... Um, and, and it's easy to discard something when it doesn't cost much. Mm. And when you have a truck that comes and takes all your rubbish away so you don't have to see it. <laughs> I think and you that's have to a, see it. another like big factor of it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. If we yeah. all had to take it responsibility is. of our own rubbish, we'd seen, start seeing this pile mounting in our gardens. <laughs> and think, oh. we, we would so change the way we do things because – Think how fantastic you feel when you've done a household clean out mm. and you put put it on for for us it's you put it on the curbside and um you you call your council and a, and and the way they you know off it goes mm. and you go phew I feel so much lighter I have no rubbish I have yeah. no uh, but where's it go there is no there is no away. Mm. There's no such thing as something that disappears. Mm. It has to get put somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, the more we kind of start thinking about those things. Where, yeah, if we were taking responsibility for it, we'd be like, oh, well, I won't buy it and then I won't have it and then I won't have the <laughs> having to get rid of it at the <laughs> other end. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. They're, they're all really great things. And I think what makes you such a great role model is that, you have come from, like you were saying, you didn't have a, much awareness around it and you just sort of started with a simple action 
and now you're leading a global movement of nearly a million people. So I think oh, that's very thank inspiring. You. Thank you. I think um, I I just I think when you really passionately know something is right, um, you don't stop until. Mm. You've got, you know, I mean, we're, you know, this, this, it needs us all. Climate change or this climate emergency, it needs all of us. You know, it needs governments. It needs, it needs our politicians. It needs leadership from the top. There is no question, but it needs cities and councils and um, it needs communities and households and individuals and it, it needs us all to do whatever we can in our capacity to contribute and how you live is such a, a, a big part of that. Mm. So for people who are listening that want to get involved and want to start making some of those changes or want to make more changes or just want to are already making changes but would love to join your movement, what can they do? How do they so um so there are a lot of places but i'm i'm going to ask you to do them all <laughs> join us join us on our facebook and our instagram and 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 twitter and download the one million women app and um connect with us there or be part of one of our campaigns um, which we have going all the time and you'll find on our website or read our blogs, um, donate. We're this small charity that really punch above our weight all the time and we only can do this because of the, the generosity of our community. So become a regular donor if, if, mm. if that's at all possible um, and, and just be connected with us in, in, in get my book for Christmas, it all goes to one million women, you know, any of it. Just be connected with us somewhere mm -hmm. and we will take you along the journey of empowerment. And, you know, one million women is, um, and men too, we want all the blokes involved to, to get in, you know, to be part of one million women. Mm -hmm. um, we are, we have people that are just at the beginning of their journey or the climate warriors have been doing it forever. We need everybody. And so, um, um, yeah, so just just please find us. It's the number one millionwomen.com.au. Right. Oh, it's so fantastic what you're doing. It's been so good to talk to you today. And I'm sure all our listeners are really interested in what you're doing too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You have been listening to the PIP podcast with our editor Robin Rosenfeld and Natalie Isaacs of One Million Women. Visit www.pipmagazine.com.au to connect with us, read our idea-filled blog or subscribe to the magazine. Stay tuned by subscribing to our podcast via iTunes or SoundCloud and join us again next time for another permaculture-inspired conversation.